Hey everybody, today I have a very interesting show for you. I'm gonna go ahead and call this part two of our exploration of side hustles, but there's more. So uh, you're about to hear my interview with a guy named Adam Shibley. Okay, now this dude is a serial entrepreneur. He's the real deal. And he's a podcaster. He's the host of Podcasting Business School and Podcast Launch Tips. Basically, his business is helping podcasters launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts. Now, you may be asking, why am I having a podcasting expert on a show about side hustles? Well, podcasting can actually be a great side hustle. And you don't have to be famous or have a huge audience to make money as a podcaster. Now, we're going we're gonna to get into this a little bit more during the interview, but if you have knowledge of a niche subject, regardless of how obscure that subject might be, you might be able to turn that knowledge into a business by starting a side hustle and putting a few hours a week into a little podcast. So even if you've never considered this as an option, I just want to encourage you to listen on. And like I said, but there's more. Now, in addition to being an all-around cool guy, Adam is also very successfully working on his FIRE journey. FIRE, as you know, financial independence, retire early. And he's got some amazing money management insights that I think you're going to find very valuable. You're going to love this guy's energy. He's super cool. And I promise you're going to get something out of this. So let's just get right to it. Adam, thank you so much for being here. Matt, I am honored to be here, man. It's always great to collaborate with a fellow pod pal like yourself, and I'm excited to be here, man. You talk retirement. I'm, I'm into it, man. Let's go. Okay. Well, first off, let's go back. So obviously, uh, my audience is uh, entrepreneurs, So, and you are a serial entrepreneur. So can you tell me about your entrepreneurial journey and what led you to becoming the awesome podcast guru that you are now? Yeah. So- I've always been an entrepreneur. I have, there's only one month of my entire life that I haven't worked for myself. And that was sophomore year in high school. I decided it was a good idea to get a real job and bag groceries at a grocery store. That lasted one month and I decided I am officially unemployable. I hate this. Wow. I don't like any, I don't like punching a clock. I don't like somebody else telling me what to do. I've always been ultra creative. And I want the freedom to explore ideas uh, with how I'm serving people and with businesses. So like I was the kid when I was six years old, I got all the neighborhood kids together and I would have them all draw. They're better at drawing than me. They'd draw like these like custom made birthday cards from six year olds. And we'd, I'd send them around the neighborhood. I'd tell them which houses to go to. They would, <laughs> they'd sell the cards and I'd get my cut for like you know, orchestrating the whole effort. Um, we had one hustle with like, uh, we had walkie talkies with the ice cream man and we had kids posted throughout the neighborhood on like corners. And I would, I would like radio in when, when the ice cream man was coming so that they never missed it for a fee, you know? Uh, so like things like that. And then, you know, yard <laughs> work, awesome. mowing lawns, all that stuff. I, I felt, but I fell in love with fitness when I started really like making money, I fell in love with fitness my senior year of high school. And I decided I wanted to go to, to college to be a strength coach and be an entrepreneur in the fitness space. So I got connected with a local gym. I learned there. I went, got my uh, Indiana university college education in the exercise science field. Oh, wow. And, uh, it's, it sounds more impressive. I took like yoga and billiards and things like that. <laughs> um, Billiard, billiards was part of your uh, undergraduate studies. Billiards. Yeah. Awesome. Don't, don't, don't tell my parents that. <laughs> 
but we, you know, I, I got that going and my whole goal was I want to be a personal trainer. I want to be a strength coach, maybe open a gym someday. And once I got out of school, like I had a pretty good clientele roster, personal training wise, that was when bootcamp fitness started to kind of take off. I graduated in 2003. So between 2003 and 2009, that's when boot camps really started happening. Okay. And I eventually launched my own boot camp, got some great results. They go, Hey, when's the next one? And I go, well, it'll be in, in four weeks, bring your friends. So in my first boot camp, I had about 13 people, but we got great results. They lost over 300 pounds combined. So like it was really oh, wow. crushing it. And at that point, I had already lost 100 pounds myself as well. So I had that kind of story to, to lean on with my personal experience. So second boot camp. Whoa, 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 third, whoa. Yeah. Sorry. How much did you <laughs> say you just lost? I used to, well, I used to weigh 327 pounds when I was at my largest. So Wow. Yep. And so, so was it what you learned in school that helped you do this? Or did you do that like during high school you made the weight loss? It was, no, I... I graduated high school. I was probably 190 pounds. By the time I got out of college, I quit playing basketball. I just lifted weights all the time and ate everything in sight. I was <laughs> tipping the scales at close to 300 at that point. And then two years after college, I got it all the way up to 327. Wow. And I was just, I was being a strength coach at working with athletes. I was really strong, but I was just kind of an obese, strong guy. And I could show other people how to get strong. But then the boot camp thing started happening. And I, that's when I started losing weight is I'm like, I think I want to pivot from babysitting all these athletes into working with people that are a little more motivated and that are actually paying me. Cause when I'm working with high school athletes, their parents are paying me, you know, it's just like the, the buy-in like literally wasn't there for these, these, their, these high school athletes. So made the pivot, started doing the boot camp thing. I lost all my weight. And it just took off to the point where we're having hundred person boot camps. They're paying me five hundred bucks a pop for eight weeks. Wow! And like just crushing it to where we had our own gym. You know, eight thousand square foot boot camp facility. And it was going pretty darn good. And then uh, I caught wind of podcasting because a lot of people were telling me I needed to franchise the concept. It was getting such great results. We were doing great revenue, and I was just like. Ah. I'm not really interested in being in charge of a lot of people or like having that much responsibility. Okay. So already I had 30 plus employees and I was like, Oh, this doesn't feel great. I don't like, like, I just didn't like the pressure of I'm in charge of that many people's like incomes. You know? Sure. I have to do, I have to make the right decisions because now it impacts not just my family, but all these other families as well. And that stressed right. me out. So I went, I didn't go the, the franchising route. I did like the idea of impacting more people. So we started exploring podcasting and that's when I launched million pound mission, my first show. And that went really, really well. I remember, I, you know, I was about a year into it and I started getting some pretty good feedback and people were like, man, I've been listening for a year. I'm from the UK. I've lost 70 pounds just from listening to your show and applying what you teach me. And that just blew my mind, Matt. It was, it was just like, wow, I never touched that person. I've never seen that person, but through the medium of podcasting, they were able to implement what I was teaching and get amazing results. And they are in England and I'm in Indiana. So wow. that was pretty damn cool. I fell in love with it. I saw the leverageable factor. And then a lot of my friends started asking me, can you help me? Can you, you know, you've got a successful show. Can you help me? So then I really started to pivot from the health space into the business of 
helping people launch, grow, and monetize podcasts. And now that's pretty much what I do full-time as a, a full-time podcaster with multiple shows and going strong, man. That's awesome. Okay, so let's go back to that. That It was called The the Million Pound. What was, the, what the was your first show? The Million Pound Mission was my very first show. Okay, and when and what year did you start that one? That was 2016. Wow. Okay, cool. So even though podcasting had been around for a while, that's still pretty early on in podcasting compared to, you know, the numbers uh, that were doing it then compared to the numbers that are doing it now. So you were yep. in it pretty early. So um, did, how long did it take before you started actually making money off of that first podcast? Or did that even make you any money? Was that just more of a mission? No, I definitely made some money. And that's just an example of I had a brick and mortar business. Right. And my initial thought was the podcast is just going to level up my expert positioning locally. Gotcha. I can use it to get more clients, people. I mean, just imagine like running Facebook ads to a podcast and you realize, oh, this guy's got a gym in my hometown and I've been listening to him for months. Like it makes sense. That helps us stand out in a right, sea right. of gyms when there's like 50 plus options for boot camp fitness at that time in our hometown with the college town. So that is the initial thing. And then all these other people started, you know, emailing me from England and India and Australia. So I was like, all right, like, how do we, how do we come up with a monetization option that'll combine both those worlds? So I started doing these online challenges, like paid challenges where I would create an online course. I, I created uh, like a 28 day, I called it the Hello Abs Bootcamp. All right, and I had this nice. best logo I've ever created. It had like a, uh, like the name tag, hello, my name is Abs. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. So we did the Hello Abs Challenge. It was like $37 because I've heard somewhere you're supposed to have a seven in there, not a zero. Yeah. So it's $37. And I ended up selling a hundred and something of those. So I made about $4,000. It was nice. people from my gym and people from abroad and they could all kind of interact. And I had a Facebook group so they could all kind of jumble in there together. So that was pretty cool. And I was like, all right. And I just started serving different pain points. Another one, big one in the fitness industry is I'm in pain all the time. I'm hurting all the time. So I did a 28 day mobility boot camp where I did okay. a, a 10 minute stretching and body work like foam rolling mobility you know back maintenance and knee maintenance stuff 10 minute video every single day that i, I changed to 97 dollars and we sold 130 something of those i made about twelve thousand dollars off that that deal so that nice. was even better so i started as a brick and mortar i was like how do i combine both those worlds serve a pain point and now we're making money so that was kind of my initial foray into it then when I pivoted into podcasting business school, there was a little bit of a learning curve because now I don't have a brick and mortar. I just need to build an audience and figure out how am I going to serve them, solve pain points and monetize. So it took me a little, little while, but I started doing coaching style episodes that helped me with my expert positioning. I right. could show off like you've done a podcast audit with me and yep. like a certain amount of those people will do business with you, but more often it's the people that are listening to those episodes are going wow, when I'm ready to spend money with a coach, Adam's my guy because I hear him every Friday doing these things on podcast monetization, growth, and engagement. So that took me a while to figure out. But once I did, I was like, all right, this is all I'm doing. This is great content. I got to get my people 
from the earbuds to eyeballs as fast as possible, start teaching, start interacting. That's what I'm good at anyway. And that just leads to expert positioning. And you put in those kind of reps. I mean, it took me probably a year and a half to make any serious money with podcasting business school. Like we're talking about approaching episode 100 or beyond. Um, Like the first hundred episodes, I just did episode 200 last week. So the first hundred episodes, I was figuring out a lot. I ended up wasting a lot of time, but you know, there's no, like, you can't go to college and learn how to make money being a podcaster. And I was like, that's, I'm going to teach people how to do. So that's, that became my monetization is teaching people how to, how to monetize. Once I figured out some systems and processes that you can put in that, that work pretty much across the board. Um, so, and then we get, you know, the, the podcast growth coaching to get, once you get your ideal listener journey, that, that road is paved. Then we go, all right, let's get more people on the road. So that's, that's kind of what I figured out was the way to help podcasters the most. And that's what I do. And it ends up working out pretty well financially for me. And I only work four days a week. So that's, that's even better. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. Okay. So is the, the an original podcast, does that still exist anymore or how, nope. cause you're doing other podcasts too. So what's your, yeah. what's your menu of podcasts right now? Yeah. So million pound mission, I ended that at episode 375. Wow. I kind of, I kind of had that Forrest Gump moment. Like, you know, like when he's running back and forth across the country and then finally he's like, I'm done running and you know, or whatever. That's kind of how I felt with that show. I'm like, I just, okay. I've said everything. I've said most things twice. I'm good, but I'm really interested in like low carb diet, ketogenic diet. I have a lot of friends in that space. So I was like, let's have some fun with it. I pulled in two of my buddies that have large audiences and we we converted that show. So I rebranded it. I didn't start a brand new show. I pivoted it and and created low carb hustle. So we talk about low carb diet, ketogenic diet, but we also talk about being an entrepreneur in that space. Oh, okay. An interesting take. Um, And we have fun and we got to, we do sponsorships. So I monetize that with sponsorships and we have some fun with, uh, we have some quirky, sponsorships like we get a lot of like male enhancement device and pills and, <laughs> and, and stuff like that and i have some fun with that with my ads that i get to do um so that show monetizes through sponsorships and that's pretty much much it i don't do any health coaching at all which is i did that for over a decade and proud of what i accomplished and you know kind of said what i had to say accomplish what i wanted to accomplish so then i've got podcasting business school that's my main show that's my right. primary moneymaker from a revenue driving standpoint. But then I also have podcast launch tips. So that's a break off of podcasting business school where we only talk about people. That's exactly for people or specifically for people that are thinking about launching a show or getting ready to launch a show. And I just, it's like 10 minutes or less tip based episodes, one focus point per week, or I do uh, like 25 minute strategy sessions with people that are what I call podcrastinators uh-huh. and uh, they have been thinking about launching for quite a while, but haven't actually done it yet. So I got to get them over the hump. So it's same concept, show off my coaching ability and that I've, I've got a podcast launch service that I use to sponsor that show, which, so that show drives traffic to that people sign up and away we go. Monetization. Awesome. Wow. Okay. And, and with all this stuff, you've got all these irons on the fire. You're still able to do it all in four days a week. Yep. Yeah, Monday through Thursday. That's beautiful. That is a beautiful thing. So I think there's a million entrepreneurs out there who would love to only work a four-day week. Um, so congrats on that. That's great. So well, 
I, I got to say, I mean, I learned the lesson the hard way. Back when I was a gym owner, I worked myself into the hospital three different times, like Ooh. passing out, really? uh, anxiety attacks. So I learned that lesson. And, I, and, you know, I've got young kids. I've got an awesome wife. And I'm like, I want to be around. So I just figured out how to kind of simplify before you multiply and get systems in place. Don't add more to the plate until you've got room on the plate to add more. Don't just keep stacking. You know, right. And I've got systems and processes in place that take care of me with my time. And I've got one VA and me and we're good. Like that's, that's how I roll. Nice. Where's your, where's your VA located? Is this a domestic or is this a, in, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Shout awesome. out to Ashley. She lives in Alabama. She's awesome. Sweet. Excellent. Okay. Well, so now I tell people as, as you've heard me tell you, if you can't save a grand a month towards your retirement, you need a side hustle. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on here is because I do believe that podcasting can be a side hustle. Um, and, you know, there's a million side hustles out there, but I think podcasting, if you've got a message or if you've got an expertise, or if you've got some kind of knowledge base that you would be willing willing to uh, package up and share, I think you can make money with podcasts. So that said, you help people do this. And I was hoping that you could share with me maybe a story or two about people who have used podcasts as their side hustle. I'll give you a great example. It's not a specific side hustle, but I mean, it is what it is. Uh, let me, allow me to explain my friend, sure, Samantha, sure. my friend, Samantha, um, She's a full-time mom, stay-at-home stay at mom that homeschools seven kids. Whoa. So that counts as a job. And that's like, that's like yes. career hours. Uh -huh. right? So I love giving this example. She's at home with seven kids. Like the range is huge. It's amazing. And she's got a top-notch show that she, she's also a John Maxwell certified coach. Okay. And she helps female entrepreneurs. That's kind of who her show targets one episode every single week. I think some of the kids are now involved in like the editing process and stuff. Oh, like, so cool. they're, they're kind of helping out some of the older ones and she signs up coaching clients and she just got booked to speak on a big stage. Like it's like, it, it's really effective. So if somebody like that can do it, I mean, I feel like having seven kids and homeschooling them all, that's way more intense than having a nine oh, yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> that's 24 seven. Totally. Um, so, but she's very organized. She's passionate about what she wants to do. And she knows exactly who she's trying to serve. If you are really limited on time, the screw around ability factor, like I had a whole year to screw around the podcasting business school and figure it out. Right. Like you guys, the average Joe that's side hustling will get too frustrated way before that year point. It'll be like episode five. And like, this is really hard and confusing and yep. I'm not into it. So you got to have an idea. You know, my tagline for podcasting business school is you got to love your show like a hobby, but build it like a business. If you can find that, that perfect cross section of that where you're excited, it's like recess mindset when you're like, okay, today I get to podcast. I get to create content. I get to learn about something I'm very curious about or interview somebody that I, I would love to learn from or teach and be heard from an ideal audience. That's a good sign. That's kind of the the hobby factor, but then we have to put structure and processes in place so that you aren't just wasting a bunch of time. Cause it's really easy to do that too, as a side hustler, especially. Right. So like Samantha, she's got certain days she records, she batch records, she's got a process with her editing and, you know, getting it all out, her social media, all of that. It's, it's 
same day, same time. The routine is there. It's built in like a real job. Like, you know, Chris McPeak from, from our pod pals gym right. session. And like, she talks about this on her show all the time where you've got a side hustle. You have a side hustle or a side hobby. You got to pick which one. And if it's really a side hustle, you got to have some business structure around it where you have business hours. You right. Know, you got to, you know, get like your, your walk-in closet and put a, a sign like business is open business, you know, in, in business, in session, recording, uh-huh. whatever you got to do to make it official. So your family and everybody else knows what's up. But if you're dialed in with your audience, how you want to impact people, you're excited about it and then put a little structure around it. That's going to be the sweet spot that we want to be in. If you're trying to kind of ease into the side hustle situation. So uh, hopefully that's helpful. No, that's very, very helpful. And, you know, I talk to entrepreneurs and when, when I tell people they need a side hustle, I mean, I'll, I'll, I mean, I've done everything I've done selling stuff on Amazon. I've done selling. I mean, I've got a garage full of old cassette decks and VCRs that I get at, uh, um, at estate sales that I'll sell on eBay. I mean, people will pay well into the hundreds of dollars for a good v- VHS VCR today, believe it or not. Anyway, wow. so when I tell talk to people about podcasting, they're like, well, you know, I don't really know anything. My, you know, my area of expertise, I'm like, I'm really good at uh, f- tying flies for fishing on the lower Umpqua River, but I'm not a big, and I'm like, dude, you know, it, 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 there's the, the riches are in niches and all that. And so, yeah. but people are really, um, they, they resist the idea of their knowledge being worthwhile to other people. So I'm wondering, are, are, do you have some people that you coach that are really super niche, like crazy small niches, um, that you could maybe an example or two you could share with me? Well, one of my favorite examples is I did a podcast audit with a gentleman that his show serves water treatment professionals <laughs> yes. and he's doing thousands of downloads per episode. And wow. he says, I mean, there's a lot of them out there. I'm not even sure hundred percent sure what a water treatment professional is or what they do, but I guess they have trucks and he's like, they all just drive around. They got to listen to something. So they're going to listen to the show that serves them uh, wow. in their industry. And he's talking to them on the show and stuff. And he's got sponsors paying them in, in within the industry that makes sense. I mean, think about monetization and podcasting. People always want to think about sponsorship and compare a podcast sponsorship to like a radio, a traditional radio ad where I had, you know, a gym and I'd run eight radio ads for a few thousand bucks and it would appear on the radio. Hopefully the right person's listening at the right time. Otherwise it's just in the ether and it's gone with a podcast. So with this water treatment professional podcast, you know, those episodes, those, if he doesn't add, it's always there. It's right. forever there. And these people are binge listening onto this. So they get his re- most recent episode, they go back and they listen to all of them. And your ad is always there, always showing up in front of the right people. So when you get a hold of, of companies that are used to doing radio ads and, you know, a lot of podcasters undersell themselves. So they're like, oh, it'll be $50 or whatever. And they're used to paying 10 grand for a radio spot. Like if you want them to take you seriously, we got to be like, all right, let's talk about a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks, something in that range first before they'll even take you seriously. But anyway, like being super specific, I've got another person I consulted with that was launching a show for moms of triplets, right? <laughs> and you think sponsorship, Pampers, Gerber, you think about what product is going to be mass consumed by this audience, right? Diapers. That's a lot of poopy butts, you know, right. they all have three, 
And even if there are only a hundred moms are listening in, that's 300 poopy diapers going on, you know, every few hours. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so they want to get in front of that audience. And that's the beauty of podcasting. Like you said, the riches are in the niches. The riches are in the niches, Matt. And uh, yes. that's like, you don't have to, that, that's a reason that's a speed bump for people. They're like, oh, I can't have a giant audience. I'm not Joe Rogan. I'm not Jillian Michaels. I'm not Deepak Chopra or whatever. I'm not Will Ferrell. But you don't have to be any of those people. You can have something that you're totally into that you love to nerd out about that you have experience with or you're the connector. I call it the the, the ideal listener journey. Like you don't have to be the expert. You can just be the, the person that connects your listenership to the experts and you're right. on a journey together. All right. And we serve that tight niche. It's easy to monetize, not easy to monetize, but it's, it's monetizable. It's easier than people think. And then, you know, you've got your side hustle going and you're having fun along the way. Love it. Love it. Okay. Well, before I get into, I want to, I want to switch gears into your personal um, retirement planning journey, but before I do that, so if someone uh, is interested in learning from you about how to essentially create a little, you know, a business out of podcasting, what can you do for them and how would they find you? Yeah. I mean, my main hub, there's two great areas to define me and get a hold of me. My, my main website is podcastingbusiness.school. It's a dot school URL, not dot com, podcastingbusiness.school. Or just uh, go on Instagram, Podcasting Business School, reach out. And obviously, my like LinkedIn bio has all the things that I do. But uh, yeah, when somebody is like, hey, I've got this idea. Can you help me out? What I'll usually do, I try to add free value first. I like to give people a little appetizer and show them what I can do. Um, you know, just because I feel like that's fair. Because what we're doing, if you are like, yeah, I'm going to hire you. Let's launch a show. We're launching a media company. We're, we're launching a brand. And I want you to be really comfortable with me. And I want to be really comfortable with you. Right. So what I've been doing is go, hey, Let's create some content together. I'm going to have you fill out a form of all your ideas, all the key questions that I need to know to be able to help you out with your idea for a show. Let's go on on my show podcast launch tips. Let's do a 30 minute jam session. I just did one today and let's create content. It's great. You know, even if you're, maybe you figure out you don't want to start a podcast after talking to me. All right. I just saved you a bunch of money, Uh, (laughs) but it's great content. And a lot of people, it just provides clarity and that kind of sets the table for, their next step. So that's usually where I start people off. And we talk about, you know, title, branding, who they're going to serve, all the SEO stuff, what types of episodes they're going to put out. I just, all the common confusion points, I know what they are. I've, I've been there. I've talked to hundreds of of podcasters, if not thousands. And this is, you know, just everyday talk for me going through these these points. We serve those and then we, we get them off and running. So, um, I love it. And, Honestly, helping other people launch shows, I kind of got addicted there for a minute to launching shows. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I got all these shows. So me helping other people launching shows, that's really helped fill that need, that that creative need. Because I love nice image. I love coming up with a name that pops. Like when you get a good name and you, it just feels right and you know it's going to attract the right person, it's just like, oh, that's that's it just fits. <laughs> It's like putting that last piece of the puzzle in on a thousand, one of those thousand piece puzzles that my kids always want me to do with like a, with, <laughs> with all these tropical fish and I can't figure right. it out. And finally, boom, you get it like, oh, it fits. So that's the feeling that I love to deliver for people. And they've got this, this connected brand. And now 
I get those emails. Yo, somebody's listening from, you know, Africa or, you know, Ireland. Wow. They emailed me. That's, that's super cool for me to, to know. Cause I know how special that was when I got those emails for the first time. Right. That's awesome. And then now, but you also have like a full on, like a membership where, where yeah. people who are more advanced say they've got their podcast launched, they can get ongoing, uh, counsel and schooling from you. Tell me a little yeah. bit about that before we get into yeah. your fire journey. Yes. Uh, download growth club. That's, that's my, my membership and existing podcasters that have already launched. Ideally, uh, that that membership I've I've kind of niched down to podcasters that are doing a thousand downloads or less per episode. Um, you know, you've probably heard me talk about this before on the show, but the if you can do a thousand downloads per episode, like so, if you if Matt and I release this episode and thirty days later that does that has a thousand total downloads, that's in the top twenty percent of all podcasts that exist. So it's not like, it's not a million, it's not 10,000, it's 1,000, 1,000 true fans. Right. So I like helping podcasters get their first 1,000 true fans. That's kind of a goal with that membership. So, and I have people that do more than that, but, or people that get there and then keep going. But uh, that's kind of the the target group. I'm like, that, that we all have to differentiate. There's a lot of podcasting memberships and coaching services. But when I start off my show going, hey, pod pal, are you doing less than 1,000 downloads per episode? I've got the solution for you. I'm focusing just on you. That's different than I help everybody. Right. Uh, come give me money. So that branding wise is important to me to let people know, like, this is the ideal person. This is kind of the identifier. Awesome. Great. Well, uh, to everyone out there who's interested in the possibility of podcasting, um, if if you do nothing else, be sure to to get uh, subscribe to the Podcasting Business School. I listen to it all the time. It's been huge for me, and uh, Adam's great. So anyway, now Adam, the reason that I I really want I reached out to you is because I heard you on one of your podcasts talking to one of your guests about the fact that you're on a fire journey. And for our listeners, they know that fire is financial independence, retire early. So you are, you've got an end in mind. You're self-employed, like my listeners. What's your goal and what's your plan and how are you getting towards your fire goal? Yeah, so I'm obsessed with fire. As many people that get into the fire community, they like, you just start to see the opportunity for freedom early on. And it's just so intriguing. So the quick backstory is as I was, I was already podcasting, I had that going and my gym was going, but a lot more competition was coming into town. Um, I was living La Vida Loca. I had a big house. I had, okay. So big house, big truck, a lot of land, pool, guest house, you know, <laughs> all this, this stuff. And I hear, I listen to the Tim Ferriss show podcast. I hear a guy named Mr. Money Mustache on Tim Ferriss show. So whenever that episode was released, I heard it when the week it came out, thank God. And it just changed my mind because I was feeling all that financial pressure. Like I was saving money. Like I've had a Roth IRA since I was 22 years old. Like I funded, I, I I maxed that out every single month since I was 22. I'm 41 now. Dude. And so that's been cooking. I've always had CDs and stuff. I come from a very frugal financial, like I've had good mentorship with my grandfathers, my dad, uh, you know, I had to buy my own first truck, like, like things like that. Right. I had financial responsibility, but I was just, I was spending a little bit too much that hit me and I go, okay, if I can figure out how to release some of this stuff, I, I feel like I can get to this fire position 
fair, like in my, I set a goal for age 45. I was okay. Like, All right. Age 45. That's, that's when we're going to hit it. And I started running the numbers. So first thing the truck had to go, um, I, I had it paid off, but I was paying 200 bucks a month in gas. Okay. So I bought a 2013 Nissan leaf, which is an all electric vehicle. Yes. I, I bought it for $7,000. It had 20,000 miles on it. I could sell that car today for $8,500 like that. It has increased in value. Like that never happens wow. uh, with vehicles. No kidding. So it, it gets 90 miles per charge. It's just a drive around town car. I'm not taking it out of town cause I'll get stuck, you know? Um, <laughs> and it's a little nerd car. It looks like a little frog and I'm six foot four and 240 pounds. So I fill it up and I'm driving around town and my, but I've had it for four years now and I love it. So, not only did I get rid of $200 a month gas and expensive insurance on the truck and all that, right? I was able to sell the truck and, and have more left over after I bought the Leaf, but there's a local park that has a solar-powered free charging station. Oh, wow. So I go and walk my dog three times a week, and I don't even have to pay for the electricity to charge the dang thing. So that's awesome. so you look at four years, Matt. This is how my fire brain works. Four years. I was paying two hundred bucks a month in gas that I'm not paying. I paid seven thousand dollars for the car. Four years of not paying for gas just paid for that car. Boom. You know. So love that, it. That was the first love thing. It. Then we had to sell the house. We had to get out of that okay. big old house. We had our old house uh, was a rental. So we were renting that out and I talked my wife in, I go, Hey, let's move back into the old house. Let's sell this one. Let's, and we already like, if we sell this and move back in, we'll have no mortgage. Well, that'll be paid off and we'll have extra money to the good. So I talked to her into doing that. We did it. That's where I'm at right now. I'm in the old house. Okay. It used to be a rental and it's great. It's closer to everything. It's, I mean, brilliant move. So we started, you know, you look at fire, you look at your home, you look at your car and mm-hmm. you look at your food expenses. Those are the three like big ones. Yep. So home mortgage is gone. And then extra to the good after selling the, the, the big expensive house car, no, no car payment money to the good saving there. Yep. Food. I had to start getting frugal and going, okay, you know, I'm a big guy. I got kids. They eat like little freaking hamsters, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> so I started figuring, like listening to more like Choose FI and other frugality podcasts. I'm like, all right, I'm going to start shopping at Aldi's. I've got our family. Wait, wait. For those of us uh, not in the Midwest, what's that? Aldi's is like, it's the best. It's the fire grocery store. So (laughs) there's always like one or two people in there that actually work there. And it's a full-on grocery store. You've got to put the quarter in the cart to get a cart. Oh, You know, you got to bring your own bags. Um, wow. The whole thing. So, but you go, it's got way the lowest prices possible and you know, and it's, it's awesome. So love it. I'll spend $150 a week on our entire grocery bill for a family. So around 600 bucks a month for four people. And I'm big, like I eat a lot and I eat meat. I'm, I'm on a ketogenic diet. So right. I'm eating like red meat almost every single meal. Uh huh. So, you know, that, has really helped, you know, bring it down. So 150 bucks a month or uh, a week on food spending for a family of four. Right. So that, that brought that, that expense down. Then 
you look at the different dials you can turn. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to make more, but I'm going to be strategic with how much I save. And we got to the point where I'm saving, I'm living off of 15 to 25% of what I bring in and the rest goes towards retirement. Nice. Which is huge. And that starts going quick. And then this year we pushed the crypto button. Yes, sir. I get in during a dip. I started buying at peaks, but then it dipped sure. really quickly. And then I really like started to understand like, okay, this is actually the time to, to invest. So I bought a bunch and now that's up. So right now I'm sitting at, I just ran my numbers because I know that we talk about this. I'm at 91%. Whoa. So, so I'm basically in the don't screw it up zone. Don't do anything stupid. And like, I'll just with my investments, like if Bitcoin goes up to, you know, another, 10 or 15%, which it probably will. Mm-hmm. I'm there. And just, that's just like, don't screw it up. I, I, I max out. I've got a solo 401k. I max that out at 19,500 every single year. I've got a traditional IRA. I max that out at six, at six K every year. Um, you know, I've, I told my wife that she gets to go half time now and we're going to get, you know, market insurance and set up a health savings account. So yes, I yes. start yep. pulling that lever a little bit. Uh, so it's just like, it's in don't screw it up mode, but I, I power saved. I, my friend Evan has a podcast called be good to future. You, I need to connect you to because you guys would be pod pals. So he talks about, that's what it shows about investing and being good to future you. So for 10 Love years, that title. I was good to future me. And it wasn't, I mean, it was like, you know, I had to make some sacrifices, especially the last five. Once we sold okay. the house, sold the truck, all that stuff happened in the last five years and power saved and got where we needed to be and it's paid off. And now the real interesting thing, Matt, that I've never talked about on the podcast anywhere or really, cause I never really get to talk about this cause my wife and kids don't really understand what the heck's going on, but they like it. Okay. Um, they like that I only work four days a week and now mom's going to go half time and the whole thing. So the interesting thing, like once I got to that zone, I realized like, Okay, as long as I just don't do anything stupid, I'm good on money for the rest of my freaking life. That changed my mindset all of a sudden to the new most important currency is relationships. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm not stressing out about money all the time. I'm like, who can I talk to? Who can I interact with? Who can I learn from? Like, like doing this, what we're doing now, this is my new currency. I'm like, this is a great conversation. I love doing this. And so instead of who can I go and sell something to, I'm like, yeah, Matt, let's podcast together. Or I'm coaching my son's fifth grade basketball team. And I'm, you know, my wife is used to me saying no. And she's like, Hey, I think I want to sign our daughter up for soccer practice on Wednesday, but I know you normally do podcast your business. I'm like, no, no, no. I'll clear my schedule. That's cool. I'll, I'll take her and it's good. Nice. Like, that is awesome. But that's been a mental switch that I have to flip of like, okay, we're good on money. We don't have to stress out about money anymore. Just, but that thing I'm striving for now is just really better relationships, better connection experiences. Like, like, okay. Another thing I did the, I did the travel rewards card hacking thing. And I've got like 250,000 chase travel rewards points. And I'm like, all right, let's, what are we going to go when we can travel somewhere? And it's Uh like all good to go. But what are we going to do? Like experiences like that. That's the new currency for me. And that's been fascinating since the financial pressure has gone away. 
I was so used to that always being there. That void was filled with relationships and experiences. And it's totally cool. That's awesome. That is, I love it. I absolutely love it. So was it hard getting your, initially a lot of people say on their fire journey, it's really hard to get their mate on board with it. So you come to your wife, you've just listened to Tim Ferriss. You've been listening to Mr. Money Mustache and you're like, Hey honey, I just listened to a guy named Mr. Money Mustache, which he's, I mean, which we all know who he is, but if you hear that for the first time, you're thinking who the hell's money, money, muster mustache. (laughs) When you went to your wife and said, Hey, I'm going to let's, let's sell everything and downsize and move back to the rental house. What, what was her initial reaction? Okay, if you're going to approach your spouse with this situation, <laughs> you have to lead with what's in it for them. And you got to know their pain points and what they want. And I know what, what my wife wants more than anything else is more time with the kids, 100%, a, a thousand percent. So I go, hey, here's the deal. I've got an idea. It's a little bit out, outside of the box, but I think this will lead to you going, ha- you know, being able to go you know, she's a physical therapist. So we call it PRN. So that means you don't have to be affiliated with any, any company and you can just set your own schedule and you can work half time basically. So I said, I think we can get you to PRN within, by the time you turn 45 and by the time I turn 45 and she's like, I'm in whatever it is, (laughs) let's, let's go. And then I was like, all right, here's what it is. And she knew that the financial pressure was getting to me because of like my anxiety attacks, like going to the hospital and all that stuff. So I was like, that's going to help me a ton. That's going to set us free from this mortgage situation. It's going to give us money to the good that we can invest towards all this. So I, I kind of started with the thing that I knew that would really appeal to her and then work backwards onto how this is going to impact the whole family. I was like, I painted a picture. I go, okay, in five years, Henry's going to be, uh, at that time, you know, 13 and Hannah will be eight. What if for the rest of their life, we don't really work like from 13 and eight. And we're just there every practice. We're there, you know, after school, we're there doing family stuff. Like that's a possibility. And then I had her, uh, watch the documentary, uh, catching fire, which was really good. Um, and that helped. That was about a couple on their journey. And I just gave her a few resources and we started looking at it. And she's like, yeah, this, this makes sense. Let's go. And she trusts me to kind of nerd out on the financial stuff. And I tell her okay. like what to do with her 401k and her matching stuff. And, you know, like that's, she understands that I'm good with that. And I like doing that. And she's just trusts me and like, we're good. Um, so, I mean, that was the key is we I had to paint that picture of the advantages for her and how we could impact our family long term. And once I did that, she's like, let's explore this. Like, this is at least, you know, worth a try. And we've been we've been on the journey together. And I just told her, you know, it's maybe three weeks ago. I'm like, all right, it's time for you to go half time now. Like now we're there. We're good. Let's let's start getting the wheels turning. So nice. And is she cool. psyched about going half time? I mean, that's yeah. gotta feel great. Yeah. And okay, another benefit that you know, we've got a family situation with her her side of the family. Her mom's got dementia and it's really bad. Okay. She's in like in the last stage of this. And she's in St. Louis, we're in Indiana. I, I not only go, Hey, you need to go half time, I go, We're gonna move to St. Louis and we're gonna Oh wow. We're gonna be there for your family and for your mom and spend the last year or so of her life with her. And we can up and do that because of what our financial position and 
you know, the way that, you know, my business runs and things like that. So like next summer, we're going to move to St. Louis and just be with her family and, and help out. And we're going to wow. have all that time to do that. So when you hit financial independence, again, like that relationship component, that experience component and that impact component, like you have more time to be the kind of person that you want to be. And I think it knocked her off her, her butt. She's like, you, you want to go, you'll uproot. I've lived here my entire life. You know, my whole family's here. And I was like, no, this is like, this is one of the reasons why we have worked so hard to do this, to have that kind of freedom. You need to go and we all need to, to be there for your family and your mom. And, and you're, those are moments that you're going to want. So let's go. And it's just another benefit of being good to future me for over a decade and investing like I have since I was basically 20, 22 years old. Wow. That is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. That's got to feel great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, you know, she had a good cry and I, I knew that that was important to her and that was, and that's a great gift. Oh, yeah. Cause I know that she didn't always totally understand the financial sacrifices that we were making. So to be able to come out the back end and do something like that, that was, that felt good for me. I'm like, okay, I've, I've now shown her w why we've been sacrificing for these last few years, especially. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm the guy that's like, I'm turning out all the lights. Like we got to get the electric bill down a low, below a hundred bucks if we can. And I'm I, I unplug the night lights during the day <laughs> and the whole thing. I walk around, I unplug everything. The TV's unplugged, the whole thing. And I'm that guy. And now like, I hope that at least a little bit, the whole family starts to get like, okay, this is why he's, he's psychotic with, <laughs> with the finances. <laughs> so we have more opportunities like what we're doing. Love it. So just one last thing. So for those of us who maybe started late, how, how big of a difference did these last five years make? Can you make a difference in your fire journey in five years? Yeah. I mean, it's been, I mean, obviously starting the Roth IRA when I was younger really helped. Sure. Um, man, I missed a lot of money making years when my gym and those big boot camp numbers were coming through. I spent a lot of that on that that big, big old house and all the, the toys and stuff. I waste a lot of it. And I thought like, wow, I mean, I could have re retired in my thirties if I had been smart, if I had known about Phi, right. I mean, I, by the time I'm 35, 37, I would have been done by then for sure. So that was disappointing, but lesson learned. That's my education in yep. fire. And the last five years, just like, being able to sock away as much as possible and almost get making a game out of it and going, okay, last month I was able to put away this, this percentage. Let's go for one more percent, one more percent, one more percent. Yes. I didn't have any debt. Like when you are used to paying whatever per month for a mortgage and all of a sudden that goes away, take that same amount and dump that into your retirement. That's, that's your fire fund right there. Yep. And whatever other debt you let go of, you take that, put that into your fire fund, invest in you first and then figure out, you know, another key step was me figuring out what my monthly expenses really were and working to whittle that down. So yeah. now I know like if I bring in, so, so like, you know, I'll, I'll just be real with you. Like the, our family can live off of 2000 to $2,400 a month consistently. That takes care of everything. So nice. we're talking about 25 to $30,000 a year that I have to bring in just to pay for our stuff. Right. 
you know, electric bill, food for the kids, got to feed them, you know, stuff like that. Clothes. And knowing that I go, okay, so if I bring in, if I can pay myself 10 K, I just got to take two out and feed the kids. And the, the other eight goes into compounding, you know, whether it's my 401k or Bitcoin, and then it just starts making money on its own. And that's really taken off where I've been able to just make that distinction of don't even put that extra 8,000 in my bank account, in my like spending that just goes right into investments. Like that's right, right out the door into my VTSAX on Vanguard or my 401k until I fill that up. Or now like Bitcoin, a little bit of ETH, a little bit of ADA, whatever. I'm, I'm, I missed out on Solana. I, I complain about this to you all the time. Uh-huh. Um, so, but that's like, I just have those buckets and it's automated. I'm like, all right, that it is what it is. And I do, you know, I, I take the cream off the top and put it out there and put it to work for me. So Love once it. you have that mindset, five years, you know, a lot can happen in, in five years. Like whatever it is, you know, every... I, they talk about it on choose that file all the time, but it, whatever you have, like in the stock market, like in, in VTSAX, like broad, you know, if it's getting 8%, it'll, your money will double every nine years. years or nine yep, years yep. or whatever it is. So five yep. years, Rule of 72. Yep. You're, you're halfway there. Yep. Um, so if you are dumping money in, you know, that's compounding quick and that's uh, it's not exciting. It's kind of slow and steady wins the race. But now I look back at, at the end of the year and I go, damn, I really did make more off my investments. Like they grew more than what I spent on my, my income. I'm like, yes, that's called fire, baby. Let's go. <laughs> that is awesome. So I, I hope that everyone listening to this uh, takes w- one, one real important thing that you kind of gl- went through real quick was the thing you, where you said you got to make a game out of it. I believe that wholeheartedly because if, if you're not, turning it into an activity that engages you and that, that you're working at and it, it's kind of like a puzzle or a game or a contest. If you're not doing that, you're going to lose interest in it and it's going to go by the wayside and then you're going to start buying $9 lattes again. But treating it like a game, I think, is a huge thing to keep it interesting so that you can, after that first year, after that second year, it it then it builds and you see the results. You look back and and I think that's, uh, that's huge. So I hope that uh, people yeah. ab- absorb that. Well, Adam, listen, our time is getting short. Um, I really appreciate everything that you shared with me, everything f- about the side hustles. This could be two total episodes right here. Um, <laughs> once again, just give us one more uh, plug on on what you do and how people can uh, find you. Yeah. If you guys want to add to my retirement account, you can hire yeah. me to help, <laughs> yes. you, help you launch a, uh, a podcast. Or if you have an existing podcast, I can help you uh, grow and monetize it. And all my my connection is at www.podcastingbusiness.com dot school. That's, that's where I hang out. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. I really appreciate it, Matt. I appreciate you. If you guys are listening and you got something out of this, uh, leave it a five-star rating review, hit that subscribe button, you know, drop, drop a note that this was your favorite episode ever. That'll make me feel good about myself. So Matt, thanks a bunch, man. Okay. Thank you, Adam. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com. 